the, the title of the message this morning was real scheduled for tonight, but hey, you know. What about the baby's choice? About 10 years ago, this statement came to me. What about the baby's choice? I, I had in many years, I had on the back of my pickup, the whole back window of my pickup, I would have a see-through. From my side, you could see through it. From the other side, it was a sign. You couldn't see through it. And I would have like, you know, things about anti-abortion. I had on there if, uh, Jesus, some Bible verses and Jesus words and it was really good, and, and one of them I developed was uh, what you see here. I developed this 10 years ago, but never actually used it. Uh, I traded trucks or something, and it didn't work out, and I didn't put it on the back, but this was developed over 10 years ago. I stumbled across this the other day in my computer, and I thought, wow, I never used that. I want to put that up on a billboard, hopefully some save some babies. But I want to talk to you about this whole thing. Uh, even though you've heard it before, you may already have your mind made up on this, but I'm going to tell you what, the Word of God is there for us to continually review. I mean, I've eaten mac and cheese. One of my favorite foods is mac and cheese. How about you? How many mac and cheese favorites out here? Yeah. I eat mac and cheese every week. Every week. I go to Ford Garage, which is a restaurant, and I have mac, cheese, and shrimp. And this is one of the best deals they got in a whole mac and cheese. They got some of the best mac and cheese and shrimp I've ever had. And I've had a lot of mac and cheese. Trust me. Uh, 19 cents for a box of mac and cheese. We could eat a whole supper for 19 cents, two of us. It wasn't anything in it, but at least made you feel like you were getting something. But uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, kind of stunned me when I read it. With this in mind, what about the baby's choice? When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, this was Jesus is before Pilate. Think of the privilege that Pilate had that God allowed him to have. He got to be face to face with the Christ, the Son of the living God. If I may add, the creator of all that is and ever will be, whether visible or invisible, thrones, principalities, powers, all things were made by him, and without him nothing was made, and by him all things consist. So here you go. People say to me sometimes, if God would come to me, I'd believe. Really? Really? Well, he was standing right in front of Pilate, and, and if I may say, gave Pilate, some attention, uh, uh, conversed with him. You know, Jesus didn't give Herod that. Herod was a Jew. Herod was a Jew. But he was an apostate Jew that had sold out to the Romans and was a heathen and a cruel man. God didn't give him anything. Jesus was sent by Pilate in front of Herod, and the Bible says he didn't say a word to Herod, not a word. He didn't inter. But he would go to this Pilate, which was a Roman idolater, atheist, agnostic, call him what you want. And he, he had a little conversation with him. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, because he kept trying to release Jesus, he said, I don't find any fault in this man. I find no fault in him. But that rather a turmoil was made, which the crowd was getting upset. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude. There were evidently a basin of water, and took his hands and 
washed him in this. And he said, here's what the statement was. He says, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And what amazed me about that verse was Pilate was not a good guy. He cared about being accused of shedding innocent blood. We're talking about a Roman dictator, judge, absolute despot. Life and death was in his hands. He could put to death anybody he wanted to. No questions asked. He cared about unjustly shedding innocent blood. Pilate was a soldier before he was a judge. He probably killed many people in his military career. He was a local judge there in, in Judea who undoubtedly condemned many criminals to death. Why was he so worried about being innocent of this man's blood, this just person's blood? I don't think you have to go very far in the Bible to see what God feels about shedding innocent blood. But Pilate demonstrated that even the heathen, if I may say that, have some conscience about shedding innocent blood. There's some biblical injunctions about, and there are many, and this is just a mountaintop of some of those things that, in the Bible that warn us and what God feels like about innocent blood. As early as the book of Deuteronomy, God deals with it. Deuteronomy 19.10, I don't expect you to turn to these. I'll go too quickly through them. But it's on our website, and by Wednesday, Thursday, this will be on the website. This is on iTunes, and it'll be all over. By the way, I just found out from our webmaster that about 3,000 people download are the sermons every week. We're up to 3,000 a week all over the world. It's amazing. Philippines, Germany, all over the, evidently English speaking. I hope they can speak English. But God's using the internet for good by the grace of God, as there's a lot of bad on it. But it also is a way to get to places you'd never, ever get to with the Word of God. Deuteronomy 19.10 says, That innocent blood shall not be shed in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and so blood be upon thee. This is God's warning to his people as they come into this land which they displaced seven nations, which he said were greater than you, stronger than you, but I'm going to let you have this land called the promised land. I'm going to drive these seven nations out. They will have no power before you to resist you. Everything they do will be wrong, and they'll fail, and they'll be driven out, and you'll get to possess all of their houses and all of their lands and all of their good stuff that they're going to leave for you. Why is that going to be? Well, he says in verse uh, 9 of chapter 21, So thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. All the way back into Genesis, we see that when Cain slew Abel, uh, amazing statement there in Genesis 4.10 says, God says, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. 
So we find out from the Bible that God has a special place for people who shed innocent blood. I'll mention it later on in the message and read you the verses so that you know it's not just the wild ravings of a red-faced Baptist preacher. Because everything I say, I want to verify with you, this is the Bible. Don't believe me, but believe the Bible. Don't believe me. Don't believe my, you take my opinions, you take them or leave them, do whatever you want. But when it's the Bible, you better take it. You better believe it because you're going to face it. And so we find that the voice of this blood, this guy named Abel, Cain slew Abel, and the, his, somehow his blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, now that's, a, that's a statement I'm unfamiliar with. I didn't know blood could cry. If God knows the sparrow that falls, and Jesus said he did, and the number of the very hairs in your head, he certainly knows when someone is murdered, and especially if they're an innocent person. Matthew 10, 29, Jesus' word said, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And that's a few cents. And one of them shall not fall to the ground, not one of them shall fall to the ground without your father, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, you know, this gives me comfort. Sometimes you think, is God paying attention to my life? Right, Corey? Is God paying attention to me? Have I ever gone through your mind before? I know it has mine. God, are you, you care about me. I'm a nobody. I'm one in a, one of a zillion people. You know, like fire ants on a fire, on a fire ant mound. I'm one of the thousands and tens of millions. And do you even care about me? He does not just care about you. He knows the very hairs of your head, which, by the way, change daily. Some of you are easier to count than others. No innocent one is killed without holding somebody accountable. Who was held accountable? Those who had a hand in it. Let me give you a verse for that. In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, I'm not going to read it all, but he says, six things I hate. The Lord, he says, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Abomination is the strongest word he uses for something he detests or is against. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So obviously God hates this and he's against it. So who would this be in America? Who would have a hand in America of shedding innocent blood? Well, first of all, we'd have to go to the doctors who perform it. They have a hand in shedding innocent blood. Then you'd have to go to the lawyers who legalized it. They've had a hand in shedding innocent blood. Then you would have to go to the judges, Supreme Court specifically, who allows it and sanctions it. And then you would have to go to the boy, the man, because every pregnancy involves a man somewhere or another, uh, and who encouraged the girl to do it because, you know, it just wasn't the right time. It would change their life. They would, they, this kid would be a problem. It would keep them out of college. It would keep them from their career. A thousand different reasons why you should go have an abortion. And then lastly, and most responsibly, is the woman. Unless she's forced against her will to do it, she is given the sacred care of a baby. 
A man's not given that. God didn't trust us with that. But he trusts the women to carry that human life up to nine months long, some 10. My wife went nine weeks, nine months, three weeks, almost 10 months full term. And I guess, man, she was wondering pretty soon. I know, we were, I, know I was in trouble when she sat on the bed and just wept uncontrollably. Am I ever going to have this baby? I looked at her and go, man, I don't know, but something's going to happen. You know, 19-year-old is real compassionate. <laughs> wow, I'm glad that's over. But anyone that has direct a hand, hands that shed innocent blood. Anybody that's got a direct hand in the shedding of innocent blood, God is going to hold them accountable for that. God warned Israel of old that the very land that they were given by God and, and those, those seven nations driven out would spew them out. That was the word he used. If they did the same abominations that the people before them did. And he said, the reason that I am... I'm displacing these seven nations and giving you all their stuff is because they did things like this that it just came up to here with me and I just said, okay, you're gone. And he brought this these Israelites, two and a half million of them or so, out of Egypt, you know, 40 years later, a little bit of delay there on their fault and brought them in. Now, they were not trained soldiers. They were builders. They were brick masons. They were builders. But even these builders overthrew people who were trained in war from their youth. Starting at Jericho. When the walls fell down, that was a big indicator that God was helping you. And they went forward and took Jericho. By the way, Jericho was the chief city of the south. If you can take Jericho, there was no other city better fortified than Jericho. What was God doing? He was sending a message to all the rest of them. Here they come. How do we know that? We know Rachel uh, in Jericho said, we've all heard that you're coming, and we've got fear, and all the men are afraid, and fear is laid all over us. That's because God did that. Let me read you a verse in Leviticus 18, 27, 28, where he's warning them. He says, for all these abominations, and I, I didn't read those, but there's... All these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you. And the land, this is a phrase you want to get real good, the land is defiled. That the land spew not you out also, when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. I'm concerned today. I'm deeply concerned for America. I mean, I'm concerned for the world, but I live in America. I mean, the, the craziness that's going on I, that I'm seeing in our country, I've never, I've been around a little while. Some of these 90-year-olds are more stunned than I am because they've been around another 30 years than I have. 20-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 12-year-olds may not even be surprised because you haven't been around that long to see the change. But we've been around to see the difference and to see the movement. 
And I'm going to tell you, I don't think anybody uh, 60 or over is not just seriously concerned about America. We may forget about it, but God will not forget about it. First of all, let me say there is life at conception. I just saw a picture. They just captured a picture of an egg and a sperm meeting. It's an amazing thing about an egg. Um, there's millions of these little, these little swimmy things, and they come up. The first one that touches the outside of the egg, a massive chemical reaction takes place and shuts out everybody else except for identical twins. I guess on identical twins, Doc, I'm, I'm out of my field here, okay? Help me out. Two must touch at the exact same time or something. I don't know. Maybe, okay, he's going no. So I got that wrong. Was I right on the cutting out of the, when the one touch? Okay, I'm right on that. He said, brother, stick with the Bible. I'll take care of the medicine. So this egg... And there's one, 23 chromosomes, 23 chromosomes. This this, this thing, they touch. And what they've captured, Doc, is the spark of heat or light. When that sperm touches that egg, there literally is a visible light, a spark, a heat. They didn't know, they just, they tried to describe and they showed the picture and I thought, Wow. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is also a consuming fire. Why is it when you die, you turn cold? What is life? Whatever it is, it produces heat. God's a consuming fire. And it produces light. When somebody dies, the light's out of their eyes. I, I've looked at the numbers of dead people's faces. The light's out of their eyes. The heat's gone. Your life has le- left you. The soul, 3D, the soul and the spirit have left. And the body lays there. It's just cold and there's no fire. Life is. And brother, when that egg and that sperm meet, there's an explosion. I, I read somewhere how many chemical reactions that they estimate took place in just one, in just that one area. It's, and then the woman starts having chemical reactions. It goes down the fallopian tubes and or Philippian tubes if you're a Bible student. <laughs> I told you I'll stay out of medicine. And uh, and, it, and it hooks onto the uterus. And it's so small, you couldn't really see it with a naked eye. I don't believe you can see it with a naked eye. And that kid sitting beside you, God produced. It's a miracle. And when you kill it and kill the person, by the way, not it, you insult the maker. And all I can tell you is, 
I'm smart enough not to insult the big guy on the block. When I went to school, I was smart enough not to go up to the six-foot-three guy that could knock your head off and, and spit on him. Even an uneducated person knows that if you don't have life before delivery, the baby is stillborn. These crazies are saying you can abort a child after delivery. You can abort a child the day of delivery because it's not a human being. That is as close to insanity as I've ever heard anybody talk. What about, and then I go to this, what about the baby's choice? I never hear anybody talk about the baby's choice. I, I've been around a little bit and asked a lot of folks, are you glad your mother birthed you and did not abort you? Let me ask you folks. Are you folks glad your mother birthed you? Are you glad your mom birthed you? This section over here. Are you glad your mom birthed you? Some days you may not be, but generally speaking. You can have a bad day, you know. But we're glad, to, you know, we had a woman come here. We put a billboard up for years. We put, had a billboard up against abortion for 15 years. We had a girl come. She called me first, and she said, I'm one of the girls that went by your billboard, and I was going to have an abortion because the billboard didn't have it. I want to bring the daughter by that I didn't abort. I said, please. I think it was a 12-year-old girl she brought by so we could meet her. And I'm going to tell you what I tell these girls, and they're, they, they're, they're pregnant, and they're desperate, and they don't know how they're going to take care of the kid, and they don't know how they're going to finance it. They, don't, they know their parents will hate them, and everybody's going to hate them, and it's going to be awful. It's going to shame them, and they just feel horrible about it. That will pass, and better days will come, like that 12-year-old. That woman was glad she had this partner, this 12-year-old girl, to share life with. And the girl's glad that her mama decided to have her. When Kathy and I uh, first got together, we weren't right with God. We were, we were renegade rebels. And I thought Kathy was pregnant, so I took her to a doctor. And I said, I went to the doctor, and the doctor says she is pregnant. Well, this was not good. I'm in college, she's in college, she's 18, I'm 19. This ain't good. I saw my whole life change in front of my, in my eyes, my whole life changed. I'm going to drop out of college, go to the railroad and work third shift, oh, that's pleasant. And she's going to, and we're going to go back to our home church and we're going to have to suffer the shame that naturally comes with, with what we did. And we're going to just have to belly up on all that. Both parents are going to hate Her parents are going to hate me for sure. My parents are going to want to kill me also. They already were trying to kill me through a period of time, and all the horses and everything didn't work. But So I'm like, all this is flooding in my mind. And the doctor says to me, this is 1971. He says, you can abort the child. Now, I didn't think abortion was legal until 73. He's telling me I can have an illegal abortion. 
Or I can go to England and have an abortion or Canada and have an abortion. And you can abort the child. Now, the child, by this time, is... Five months. I looked at that boy and I said, you know what? This is our child that God has given us. I'm going to have him. We're going to do it. We're going to have him. We're going to take whatever we're going to take, but we're going to have him. And God forbid that I'd kill some child that I birthed or had a part in birth. He looked at me and said, okay, okay, no problem. I just thought I had to give you, I, by the way, I got to give you all the options. No, you don't. And we had Troy's here today, 47, 8, 48 years old. And now I got somebody to take care of me when I'm old. He can spend the 7500 bucks a month for the nursing home because I didn't save any money. I believe the teaching of evolution has undermined the very morals of right and wrong in our country. It's not just another theory of creation. It is an undermining of the very quality of life and the very... Uh, value of life. Because if I'm just an evolved creature who had no beginning and I really have no end, then I'm just a thing. And a thing, like if I get a, if I get a, a cancer rise up on my hand there, I go down and I say, take that cancer off of my hand. It's just a thing. It's not a living human being with 46 chromosomes. It's a thing growing on me. Take it off. That's what they think of. That's what they've tried to convince our young people abortion is. It's just a thing you're getting rid of. It's like getting a new kidney or, or getting a tonsils out. No, it's not. Brother, it's 46 chromosomes from the, from the instant they hit together. It is a human being. You don't need me to go through all the statistics of when the heart starts beating, when the lungs start working, when the thyroid starts working, and all that other stuff. But, brother, that's all just collaborating evidence that as a human being <clears throat> with a future, eternal future. I've talked to people with had had tough lives, and they're glad they were born. I've talked to people with polio, and they're glad they were born. I've talked to severely handicapped people. They're glad they were born. I've talked to extremely poor people. Haiti is one of the most, it's the poorest country in North South America. They're glad they're there. They're glad they were born. No matter what the case, life is from God, and he is the one who authorizes it, and he's the one who has the authority to terminate it. So do you want to help save America? You can. Stand against the taking of innocent lives. Stand against it. Vote for people who stand against it. Pray that God moves on people of America to repent and confess their sin in this area. 
We need revival. And what I mean by that is we need to confess our sins and repent. That's what we need. You say it's impossible. That makes me excited because God is the God of the impossible. He says, with you, it is impossible. With me, nothing's impossible. But the end times and the tribute. Forget all that. God Almighty can set the clock back if his people, which are called by name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. You say the Christians have abortions. I hate to say this, but they do. I personally have known at least two born-again, fundamental, independent Baptist people have their daughters have abortions. God, have mercy on our souls. Stop treating a human being as an it and treat it as as an active, full human being. You know, heaven is going to be populated with these aborted children. I have no doubt in my mind, theologically, that people that die before the age of accountability, whenever that is, uh, go to heaven. The blood of Christ, I believe, covers them. I don't know the full story of what's going to go on with them. They didn't have a life here other than that nine months, three months, two months, one month. And God's going to take them up. Uh, They're not going to be little babies in heaven. I know I deal with women. I got to quit. I know I deal with women that have had abortions. I normally see them in their 30s after they've had them in their teens and in their early 20s. And I've seen them in their 30s when the guilt has eaten them up. When they're almost mentally incompetent because of the horrific guilt that they murdered something they were entrusted with by God. Don't you be one of those. But I say this, if you are one of those, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is not the unpardonable sin, though there is consequences to it. God and and the Lord Jesus Christ made provision for forgiveness for murder. Yeah, he did as he made forgiveness for adultery, and as he made forgiveness for lying, and as he made forgiveness for coveting and stealing, he'll forgive you. We've had numbers of women come through here through the years that said, Brother Bill, I aborted a child when I was da-da-da. What can God do? I said, God can forgive you. Here's my advice. Have a funeral. Name it. Give a name to the child. Have a funeral. Have a little private funeral. Close it, and then go back and visit every so. There's a place over in Naples, a place for aborted children, just an area of that. Well, I say in Naples. I'm not talking about the town of Naples. I'm talking about the, uh, there's a graveyard down off of Vanderbilt. I don't remember them. I think it's Memorial Gardens. There's a number of Gospel Baptist folks back down there. And uh, there's a place there for women. They've done just what I'm talking about. They give them a little headstone. And the women are able to go back there and say, this is, this is a child that I have. And God will forgive you, repent about it, and then go, go to everybody you can, every young person you can, and say, don't do it. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how horrible it looks, just have the baby. You say, what about 
What about uh, a horrible uh, a physical defect? What about it? We had somebody in this church get pregnant, and a doctor told her, I believe you have uh, spinal bifida. I think your child's got spinal bifida. I think that's right. It may have been something else, but it was bad. And you probably should have an abortion because that child's not going to come out at all and may die early on. The, the woman said, we don't believe in abortion. We're going to have the child. Had the child perfectly normal kid. Oh, that's a test. And she passed. She passed. And all I can say is Kathy and I, two young kids without any money and without any ability, God took care of. And he'll take care of you if you trust him. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for a few moments. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.